0: Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program that luxuriates in the realm of cars and transport. I'm David Brown. And in this program we have news stories including AMPOL and BYD make a deal. BMW announces pricing for their electric IX1. Ford Australia expands its Everest lineup, and Nissan announces a modest makeover for their Duke. Pavarotti, and Figaro. We talk to a man who has done a beautiful restoration on a 1991 Nissan Figaro. Bit of a noddy car in looks, but full of character. And we road test the Hyundai Kona Electric. A bit of the very new, but not too radical. You can find more information at drivenmedia.com.au. Let's begin this program that was first broadcast on the 29th of September 2022, with the news. Ampol and the Chinese electric car company BYD have announced a partnership to support the uptake of electric vehicles across Australia. Under the new agreement, the organisations will build integrated offers for new EV owners to provide charging solutions both at home and on the road. Ampol will partner BYD to deliver to customers Amp Charge Home Charging Solutions, business charging solutions for fleet customers of BYD vehicles, subscription packages and charging offers, including bundles for public and private charging. Ampol CEO and Managing Director Matthew Halliday said, The ongoing rollout of AmpCharge is gathering momentum, with an initial commitment to roll out new fast charging infrastructure to almost 140 locations, including both forecourt and at-destination charging sites. We are also developing our plans for a home and business charging officer while BYD has started selling cars in New Zealand and has announced models that they intend for the Australian market in the near future. BMW Australia will launch its fully electric iX1 model to the local market in the first quarter of 2023. The new model will be offered in two grade levels, X-Line and M Sport, with pricing for both set at $82,900 plus on-road costs. The package includes a three-year complementary subscription to the Chargefox network. This will bring the number of electrified vehicle models, covering hybrid and full electric, to 12 in the Australian BMW fleet. BMW will be launching petrol variants of the X1 in November this year. The iX1 electric model will have two motors, one driving the front wheels and the other the back wheels, which will give all-wheel drive capability. With a 65 kilowatt an hour battery, the range has been rated at up to 440 kilometres, which is a significant improvement on their electric mini models. It has a 22 kilowatt onboard AC charging capability and can take higher rates from special charges up to 130 kilowatts. This will result in the charge time of 29 minutes to take the battery from 10 to 80%. Nissan's Duke is classified in the smallest SUV category. Its standout feature is best described as a quirky exterior design, especially from the front. With a bonnet that sits up high and headlights in round cowls, it has been likened to a frog in appearance. In 2020, they softened the look a little, but it requires those who write the marketing material to call on different words and concepts more than traditional vehicles. Nissan has called it Australia's most stylish light SUV. It certainly warrants the title of the most distinctively styled SUV. Its sales are well down this year, but Nissan has struggled with supply, including some of its most popular cars. The makeover sees aerodynamic changes, not specified, updated badging, two different colour options, and depending on the grade, you can get a new alloy wheel design, new black interior elements, along with leather accented seats, which may contain synthetic material, and with detailed white stitching for the first time. Perhaps the most convenient is that the key fob now provides proximity locking and unlocking. Pricing before on-road costs starts at near $28,400, through five grades peaking at near $36,900. It will be on sale early next year. Ford's Everest is a large SUV in a very competitive segment with some 20 different brand models. While Toyota has more than a third of this category with their Prado and Kluger holding the first two positions in the sales race, the Everest has been somewhat of a quiet achiever. It's in fifth position behind the Isuzu Ute and the Subaru Outback, but ahead of cars such as the Mitsubishi Pajero, a couple of Mazda models and the Kia Sorento. Ford has announced a new grade for the Everest Sports rear-wheel drive, which will be priced from $62,800 plus on-road costs and powered by their 2-litre bi-turbo diesel engine. Four other grade levels will have the same 2-litre diesel priced before on-road costs from $53,300 to $65,600. It will maintain its 3.5-ton towing capacity and seven seats. And that has been the news. The name Figaro is best known as the comic character in the plays and operas, The Barber of Seville and The Marriage of Figaro. Nissan marketed a car called the Figaro in 1991. It was a little vehicle with naughty car comic looks but appropriate for the time it is a look that dayatsu paid homage to with its 2002 copen which among other things in the kath and kim comedy show john is one of the people who love them he has done a beautiful restoration on a bright yellow one with a white roof the Figaro is a fixed-sided convertible, which means the sides remain in place, while the convertible part rolls back like the opening of a tin of sardines. John began by explaining how that works.
1: Yeah, well, it can open at top. It goes in the boot, but once you do that, you've got no room. You've got a tiny boot in the back, but you can basically put a, you know, a box of biscuits in. That's about it. <laughs> You said they won awards. They won awards because they were built um, in 91. They're a retro style. If you look inside, you'll see all the, all the little buttons and stuff are seashells. Yeah, they're seashells. <laughs> uh, and um, it's got a one-litre three-cylinder turbo. They only came in automatic. A lot of people in Japan have converted them to manuals. Uh-huh. They've got a cult following in England, like huge, huge. They remanufacture parts even. And even the roof I've got for this, it comes from England. And you can buy, they manufacture a lot of parts for them because the market's that big.
0: How did you find this one or, and particularly why?
1: Well, normally what I do is I, I'm an agent now and I bring in disability vehicles for people through abilityclassifieds.com. And it's a place where you can advertise new and used, you know, and sell, sell mm. and convert unwanted and no longer needed mobility and daily living items. But because I was involved in the industry, I just thought I wouldn't waste that knowledge and I'd bring in disability vehicles, but I saw this one um, in the auctions in Japan and it needed a lot of work, it needed rest rate. so I basically got it very, very cheap. And I knew where there was one What was in a flood here, in not the recent floods, the floods before, and the guy promised it to me. So I was happy to, I bid for this car and I got it. And then I, when I rang the guy up, I, I said, I'm ready to pick the car up. Oh, I sold it, so I was stuck with it. So I ended up paying big papers, importing parts and all sorts of stuff. So I'm relatively finished. All I have to do is fit the roof on it, you know, um, which is just a skin, you know, vinyl skin, and that's it. The car's finished. You did the work? Yeah, I did everything. Okay. Yeah, everything from the seats. I restored the seats, the dash, the power steering. Um, what else did I do? There was one door that seemed to have a lot of rust in it, yet the rest of the car was perfect, so... So we had to basically um, basically fabricate the door because I couldn't get one, the skin for it, and repaired that. Uh, what else did we do? Oh, it's no we, me. <laughs> All the interior, seats, carpets, everything I've, I've done. Um, did a bit of electrical work as well, needed. Um, but she's ready to go now besides another, just a coating on the, on the um, dash pad and uh, fitting the skin on the roof. But she's ready to go.
0: This has got some sort of uh, sign on the side of it. What's that about?
1: They won awards in 1991. Um, one of the biggest selling cars in Japan um, in 1991. There's something like the attack of the of <laughs> Figaro's in Japan. They were everywhere. they kind of like the Alpha Sud, so add water and they rust. <laughs> um, so it's hard to find good ones. And like I said, this one was weird because it did have rust in the door, but nowhere else. So it was a really good project. So it's a nice, clean car and a lot nicer now. I put a lot of, lot, of, lot of time in elbow grease and they're not cheap cars. Like, they're big papers. They're very expensive. They range from about, you know, for rubbish from about 20000 plus right up to about 45000 What are you going to do with it? I haven't really decided yet. Um, i put a lot of work in. I might keep it for a while, but eventually, you know, I have to sell it because I'm not going to make any money after I got let down with the other car i will be lucky, lucky to get square, but it doesn't matter. I really enjoy putting the car together.
0: It's like a jigsaw. It's like a project, a hobby and whatever that you must have a great sense of satisfaction when it's done.
1: I really, really do. Um, I really, really do because I look at it and like even that dash was a nightmare. I'm looking at it now and thought that's pretty good. And the interior, all the seats are ripped and... Damaged, and I, I, I'm repaired more myself. And so
0: you did uh, leather work, or is it uh, you know, it's, plastic? It's,
1: it's vinyl and plastic work, really, mm. and there's a way to repair it. Upholsters um, uh, don't like to repair because they want to, you know, sell you new seats and stuff. But you can't actually repair them properly. And a lot of guys that come around will repair them, but to repair them properly takes time. You can patch them up, and they look like new. Uh, and then after a few months, they fall the bits. But if you you can repair them properly and permanently, there's a technique to do it. I kind of invented the technique for my dash, but I basically watched YouTube and worked out the seats and. <laughs> yeah, it's this is going to last. Yeah, it'll last. It's permanent. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. If anything's stronger for colour match, um, there's a place in Garrowean. I had all the all the, um, paints and stuff colour matched. They they've got high tech and they scan the colours and it matches it you know, exactly. Have you had one before? I uh, used to be in the business, and we used to bring them in and sell them. What new? Uh, no, 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 just, just yeah, restored ones or second-hand ones, really nice clean ones. Um, basically, JDM, Japanese Domestic Market Vehicles, which has got a huge following in Australia, like GDRs, you know, Fast and Furious, mm-hmm. 31s, 32s, 33s, 34s, even 35s now, so we can we can bring in whatever is eligible, uh, eligible under the Raw's rules. And Rover, which is a new system for importing vehicles slightly different category to the uh, hot Nissans. Yeah, but they're collectible. They're all JDM and they're all collectible. Anything um, collectible and desirable, um, you know, anything from a, an Evo, you know, an, an Evo, like Mitsubishi Evolution, you know, MR8 or something or whatever, or GSR, to a, a Nissan Figaro or even, a, I don't know, a Nissan Grand People Mover or the Toyota Estima, which is the Japanese Tarago.
0: Is that an appreciation of the culture as much as not only that of the mechanics of the car? Because they're so
1: widely different. Well, they're not 100% widely different. What they are is, if you buy an steamer in Japan, which has got a different VIN number, it's identical cars, it's the same car as a Tarago, um, you get a better fit and finish. And you get more options. Because the Japanese demand more, and us Aussies always more complacent and keep quiet. <laughs> like I compare to, the Taragos here to the Japanese ones, a tin can. Because you get a tin can, a Speedo, and a liner for your carpet. Yeah, thank you. You know, with the Japanese ones, you get electric doors, sunroofs, your sunroofs, climate control, uh, collision radar, leather seats, you name it, it's got it.
0: And again, back to this one, you've driven, I guess, quite a few. Um, How would you describe the driving experience?
1: Well, they're actually quite solid on the road. They're not, they're, they're, what's a good example? Like when you get in the bends, it's solid, you know, and heavy on the road. It's not a light car, so it sticks to the road really nicely. Um, That little turbo, it's zippy. Um, I wouldn't say it's a slug, (laughs) it's zippy and good in traffic. They're great to drive. You know, you can have a lot of fun with them, you know.
0: They don't bounce about?
1: No, not at all. No, they handle really, really well. And you feel safe in it because it's a solid little car.
0: You're about six foot, would you be? uh, Would you you,
1: you fit into it quite well? Yeah, my head doesn't pop out of the top. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's comfortable. But in the back, it's got two seats. Unless you've got um, two Lilliputians, forget about it. You know, it's good for shopping. (laughs) Or two little kids is okay. But the back seats, you know, even though it's complied for four people. But seriously it's tiny in the back but but you could daily drive this car every day you know it's economical as and it's good fun car and and an investment
0: john that has been lovely thank you very much for your time
1: you're very very welcome
0: and that was john the proud owner of a nissan figaro
1: overdrive For more information and
2: past programmes, go to drivenmedia.com.au.
3: Sang Yong's Muso isn't a name that first comes to mind when you're looking for a forward drive ute, and that may be a mistake for buyers. The Musso comes in two models, two wheelbase lengths and a couple of auction packs. I drove the Ultimate XLV and the first thing I noticed was the interior space. It's just a little bit bigger and wider than normal utes, which is welcome, especially in the rear legroom. The second thing is that the rear coil suspension provides what could be the best on-road ride of any ute available. Little luxuries like heated leather seats, dual-zone air conditioning, 12-inch central screen and LED headlights all add to the value equation. It's ideal for beach and forest trail driving, but it has slightly lower approach and departure angles, which means more care is needed on rutted trails. Power is provided by a 2.2-litre four-cylinder turbo-diesel engine. It has 133 kilowatts and 420 newton-metres, which is adequate, and cruises easily on the freeway as well as towing up to 3,500 kilos. The Sangyong Muso provides Korean build quality at Chinese ute prices and is outstanding value. This is a Motoring Minute. I'm Rob Fraser. You're listening to Overdrive.
0: We've been testing the all-electric model of the Hyundai Kona. Our road testers are our safety officer, Evan Jones, and our mechanical engineer, Fred Brain. Kona is in the second-smallest SUV category. It comes with an internal combustion engine as well, which is the biggest seller. The electric version has the same shape as the petrol version, but the big difference at the front is the absence of a traditional grill. Our artist in residence, Dean Oliver, has some thoughts on that.
4: It's challenging, I suppose, David. I've always referred to this era as the sort of post-radiator era. <laughs> art movements, there's post-modern, there's renaissance and those well-known art eras. But here we are in the automotive design era and it's the era of the post-radiator. We've all grown up with vehicles that have radiators, which have been such an... Integral part of a car's design uh, They're distinctive A radiator is often just as distinctive As the, the old insignias that were on radiator caps mm. uh, You know, the flying lady of the Rolls-Royce The, the bounding Jaguar Things like that Radiators uh, are sort of burnt into me as part of a car Now, all of a sudden, they're not
0: There were a few exceptions There, of course, was the Beetle And some of the rear-engined Renaults and Fiat's, I think this one doesn't have a lot of variation to it.
4: There's not a lot, and it it's interesting. Maybe it's time for designers to look back at the great, the really well-known rear-engine cars that didn't need radiators or, or had radiators very discreetly imposed on the front. The Porsche, the Volkswagen Beetle, the Fiat Eight Fifty, and, of course, the Hillman Imp, David, the Hillman Imp.
0: I was saving the best till last, <laughs> Dean.
4: The Kona, I mean, it's based on, on the petrol-engined Kona, which we all know quite well, and which is a very, I find it, quite an attractive small car. Now here the designers are faced with imposing an an electric motor into an existing petrol-driven car, and and they've done it pretty well, but I feel as though the the electric vehicle, in doing away with the the radiator, it's made it look a very sort of stubby, blunt kind of, of design, but
0: beauty is in the eye of the beholder. For Evan and Fred, the overall package works okay. The look in the front without the grill, Evan, how did you find that?
2: I think they've integrated it really nicely. Um, It suits it, it it really does suit it. You don't miss having the grill, so uh, I think they've done a really good job there.
5: The styling is is kind of a little bit different, but in today's market, it's not, not outlandish. Not too sure about all the sort of lines on it mm. and the the, <laughs> um, the plastic where the plastic kind of meets the metal, uh, but it's it's not
0: bad actually. Would you be
2: happy to be seen in it, Evan? Yeah, I would actually. Um, I think it, this could be sold as your first as your first electric car. It's a really good crossover from uh, an ICE car to an electric car because the layout is straight out of your uh, ICE Kona but it has all the virtues of an electric car. So as your first electric car, this would be a good suggestion. There was a general agreement that the colour we had was
0: impressive. Fred, the colour brought back memories to you. How would you describe the colour and why the memories? It's kind of a, uh, well, a a vibrant sky
5: blue, you might say, Mm. uh, which uh, reminds me of, I think Chrysler had a Charger in that colour. There was also a Falcon GT of that colour. And actually we we own a, a little Alfa Romeo GDV, which is about this colour too, but uh, it's quite a pleasant
0: colour, a nice bright one without being too too gaudy. The interior owes more to the petrol model than it does to the more digitally enhanced concepts that are now common in electric vehicles built from the ground up. Fred was comfortable and not overpowered by the interior when first getting into the vehicle.
5: Interior-wise, quite a pleasant interior as well in it, actually.
0: It's not overstated, is it? It has a number of variations that, with the little air vents that look a bit like uh, the sort of jet engine um, vents that come out the side, the rounded ones, but it's not gaudy in any way.
5: Uh, No, no, it's it's quite a nice silver, sort of
0: um, matte silver
5: um, plus kind of matte colours around it, nice nice steering wheel. Does
0: the steering wheel make sense to you? I mean, apart from the fact that it steer, steers the car.
5: <laughs> it looks like it's got the controls on it that most vehicles have now, without going overboard in terms of controls on it.
0: It's not unusual or quirky as much as some electric vehicles.
5: Uh, no, it seems quite quite standard in uh, what I've been used to, I guess I'd say. Mm. So just hopping into it, it was just most of it, but as soon as I knew what what the buttons did uh very easy to drive very easy to get used
0: to and you were comfortable in it both of you were, you know, six foot or so
5: yeah except for except for you being in the back, <laughs> back having to have the seat forward a bit but otherwise um yeah and uh, it's it's quite a good car to just hop in and drive basically
0: You're saying your comfort level is all my fault.
5: (laughs) In this instance, well, I'd attribute some of it to that, yes.
0: The screen, Evan, you and I have looked at, say, an IKEA EV6, which has a bigger screen with a huge amount of information on it. This has a smaller map, but uh, simple information about the battery and the range.
2: Yep, it's easy to read and easy to use. it's all you want. You don't need a massive big screen. It gives you all the information at a glance, which is all you need. I think I'm very happy with it.
0: We did put Fred in the back to make a more detailed assessment. So, Fred, you're sitting in the back. The driver's seat's forward a little bit. You've got to put your knees to the side of the squab, but you're not uncomfortable? Uh, not desperately. I wouldn't like to go on a
5: long journey like this, but um, there's, I can fit my feet under the uh, seat, the
0: front seat quite readily. It's Which is unusual because it's got electric seats.
5: Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Some seats probably can't fit your toes under hmm. as far, I suspect.
0: The old uh, electric seats used to compromise that enormously. The, the centre seat is in theory there, but it's for a very narrow-hipped person, and it's very, very uh, firm, isn't it?
5: Uh, it does feel that way, yes. I think um, i think good be okay as a four-seater but maybe not a five-seater.
0: You, you wanted very small children not only for the leg area on a long trip but for the width of the body. Uh, yes. Electric vehicles are known for their acceleration especially in the Prestige models.
2: How is the Kona's performance?
0: Evan the acceleration of it is it surprisingly good?
2: In normal mode it's very satisfying and In in uh, sport mode it's quite surprising, it's incredible it it would blow a lot of our famous V8s uh, away basically
0: Fred, you race a V8 Monaro. Is this coming down to driving and the performance of this? Quite
5: possibly not, I suspect.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do like the sound of the Monaro, though,
5: when it accelerates.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you've just had it in sports mode. It's got a fair amount of pickup.
5: Ah, uh, yeah, it certainly gets up and goes. You've got virtually instantaneous throttle response. Mm. It's amazing,
0: yeah. We have the extended range model, and at one point, after doing a bit of running around, it still showed a distance to empty of 491 kilometres. After more driving, we sat in the car and talked about the range. We've got 337 kilometres to go, and we haven't charged it for a little while. You were surprised at how little it actually went down for what appeared to be the distance we travelled?
2: Yeah. um, I was quite impressed by that, actually. We were, what, 30 kilometres away from here, and it said we had um, about 345 to go. So it thinks we've only done eight kilometres. I know we've done three times that. So its regen uh, capabilities are very impressive.
0: Fred, you had to work out how to do the regen. Uh, You had a little go with a severe regen. How did you find that?
5: Um, Interesting. Um, The fact that you're not... You, you really don't have to brake for the most part. You put it put it on. Of course, you do have to brake ultimately to stop. But um, it was uh, it was a little bit a different way of driving, I guess, um, to get used to it. But it wasn't severe in any shape or form. Um, so uh, it was it was kind of an interesting difference.
2: You're
0: not a great fan of it, Evan
2: um of what the regen Mm. um medium regen i can live with uh when we're in um sport mode before i worked out how you can actually reduce the regen you'd lift off and the regen was so savage you almost went through the windscreen Mm. but uh, so if you set the regen up to what you would feel in an ice car um yeah i could i could live with that but it's the the evidence is there on the screen Uh, it's very effective
0: we are sitting in the car. It is stationary. Uh, we have the, quote, engine running, as it were, but, of course, you can't hear that. You might just hear the air conditioner, which I actually think from a pollution, a local pollution point of view, is is a wonderful feature of these vehicles. Just Fred, you, that we're not parking outside, waiting for the kids at school and polluting the local atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, a, it's an interesting point, actually. When we stopped after some testing, the indicated range was 337 kilometres. After about half an hour, during which the air conditioning was on, we were about to leave and check the range again. Uh, Gentlemen, we're about to go for another drive. Uh, Fred, how has sitting here with the air conditioning on affected the range? Uh,
5: It doesn't appear to have affected it at all, in actual fact.
0: Mm, So it's still on 337? Uh, Yes, yes. The Kona Electric is priced, before on-road costs, from $54,500. You can upgrade the battery to get an extended range for an additional $6,000, and the higher specification grade of Highlander is a further $3,500. And the name Kona is a region in Hawaii that is near a volcano and is known for its coffee crops.
4: This is Overdrive across Australia.
3: It's not often I drive a car that costs around $134,000 and say that it's actually really good value. Even less often when it's a European brand. Yet that is exactly what I thought when I recently drove the Land Rover Defender 110 X-Dynamic HSC D300. That's a mouthful for a lot of car. It's no secret that I'm a big fan of the latest Defender and for good reason. The X Dynamic version we drove comes with a three-liter inline twin-turbo six-cylinder diesel engine that produces 221 kilowatts of power and 650 newton meters of torque. It drives through a Terrain Response all-wheel drive system and an eight-speed automatic transmission. Off-road, the Defender is excellent; it will take owners almost anywhere a sane driver wants to go with absolute comfort and ease. On-road, its ride and dynamics are something that you would expect from a luxury European SUV not a true four-wheel drive. You have to drive the Defender to really understand just how good it is.
0: And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to John, the Figaro owner, Evan Jones, Fred Brain, Dean Oliver, Rob Fraser and Paul Just for their help with the program. Overdrive is syndicated across Australia on the Community Radio Network. For more information, go to drivenmedia.com.au. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening.